Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Yoga in My School podcast. My name is Donna Freeman. I'm the founder of Yoga in My School, and I've been doing this podcast now since 2009. And it's such a pleasure to be able to go out and find really interesting topics, at least they're interesting to me. And um, today's topic is actually a request from some of our listeners. And so it's always fun to get requests from you guys. And thank you for listening. But a number of the listeners and people who had been attending various training workshops that I hold um, asked about occupational therapy and kids yoga. And I was like, you know what? I love the combination of occupational therapy and kids yoga and combine those things regularly. But I know someone who's a better expert than me. And I bet that if I give my friend Allison a call, that she'd be more than happy to talk about one of the topics that is close to her heart. And so we're going to be chatting today with Allison Morgan, who is the founder of Zentational Kids. She's an occupational therapist and truly an all-round amazing individual. She and I have worked together on and off now for, oh, quite a few years, probably about six or maybe maybe even seven years. Dad suits has been that long. Um, But she's an amazing person and has all kinds of great insights into how kids work and the developmental um, milestones that they should be meeting and how occupational therapy and yoga for children can work together hand in hand to promote health and development. So it is with great pleasure that I introduce you to Allison Morgan. Hey, Allison. Hey, Donna. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for um you know, asking me to be on this podcast and talking about my absolutely favorite topic, yoga and OT. <laughs> what could be better? For... I, I know. That's great. Well, tell everybody who's listening, who's tuning in today, as well as listening to the, the recordings of the podcast, whether they find it on iTunes or however they find it, um, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to be the founder of Sensational Kids. Sure. Well, I've been an OT for over 30 years now, which I can't believe it. I hate dating myself in that way, but I've always worked in pediatrics. I loved working with kids in different types of uh, facilities, but the last 20 years, maybe even a little bit more, it's been school-based, school-based therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, what I started to notice, like, year after year after year is, you know, kids really had the same goals all, all the time. 
And it was getting, you know, a little bit discouraging because, you know, you start to feel like, oh, what am I doing wrong? I have all these great tools. You know, I'm SI certified. I've studied NDT and, um, you know, knowing so much about development and just the way schools work and all of the components that you feel would make you a really successful OT. But yet I was looking at my success based on how are the kids doing? And the kids didn't seem to be doing that much better. And it was around this time that I was getting kind of discouraged that I just started studying yoga for myself. It just was serendipitous that it was around the same time in my professional career that my personal um, interests collided. And really after like my first yoga class, I, I viscerally felt so different in my body. Um, and that feeling was really about being calm, but awake and aware at the same time and being, um, feeling grounded and safe and strong. And this was after like my first yoga class. And I immediately just started to think like, these are the qualities that I need my kids that I'm working with to sort of embody before I could even work on all these other skills that I'm working on for school function and for play and, you know, all of these other things that we work on in OT. But yet I realized in that moment I really don't have the tools as an OT to help get them there. And then I immediately mm. thought, well, hmm, well, yoga got me there. Like, can I do yoga with the kids? And this is going back you know, like a good 12, 13 years ago, maybe even more, um, because at the time that I was, you know, piquing my interest in this, there wasn't a lot out there. So what I started to do was just, you know, go to yoga myself. And what OTs do really well is we adapt. We adapt environments. We adapt objects. We adapt tools. We adapt toys. Um, so that's what I did. I just started um, you know, practicing in my own body and then adapting it in different ways to help the kids that I was working with. And, you know, the kids that I've been working with are on the spectrum, you know, have various levels of um, autism, ADHD, generalized learning, um, learning disabilities. Um, and I just started adapting it. And, wow, I was immediately blown away in what I was, in what I was seeing. So I was, I was really hooked immediately before this practice of kids yoga became really popularized. I really saw that this is a modality. This is a tool every therapist really should know about. And I just went on this mission to learn as much as I can to seek out really good trainings that eventually became available and then to start to create my own trainings geared towards therapists to help them understand how this is such a complementary modality mm -hmm. to use with the skills that we have as, as therapists. And that was really why I built Sensational Kids, in order to have a platform to build trainings, to get more information out there um, to the public, and, um, you know, provide needed information. Fabulous. So that's like, well, and, yeah, that's and there really is it so in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely so much need for the information just to get out there so that more people can be impacting more children. 
like, okay. That's yeah, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's really, terrible. that's the mission of, of Sensational Kids right now really is how do we get the tools of yoga and mindfulness to more and more of our, of our youth because our mm-hmm. youth need it desperately. And really what has evolved for Sensational Kids over um, the last several years is even though we have this specialty of working with the special needs population, we do so much with schools right now. We now have curriculum for um, training educators how to offer yoga and mindfulness in the classroom. So we're working with educators mm-hmm. now from pre-K all the way through through high school because these are life tools. These are absolutely life tools. Um, so it's it's really important for all of us working with youth to to learn something about these tools and share them. Fabulous. All right. So can you tell us a little bit, those who are not necessarily OTs, just kind of on the fringe of that, but what are some of the things that um, many pediatric OTs who may be working in the schools, what are they kind of working on with kids during these early years? Because I know that there's, that's a lot when the interventions are happening, kind of kindergarten, grade one, grade two, um, diagnoses are going on. It's like, oh, okay, there's a little bit of delay here. Let's get the OT in. But what are some of the common things that, that people would be looking at? Yeah, well, the the big thing here is OT in schools, which is very, very different than OT in a hospital or private practice. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because OT in general works on helping the individual access their life, participate in life as independently as possible. So when you're talking about OT in schools, School, the life really is about as it relates to school work. And mm-hmm. um, I know you're up in Canada, so the laws of that might be a little bit different in Canada and other parts of the world. But in general, in the United States, the way that the law is written is that the OT needs to meet the goals needed to be have your education accessible to you. So a lot of the things that we work on as an OT in a school practice, it is about the whole body. I mean, of course, it's the whole child. So we look at some gross motor function of how do you maneuver around the classroom. So that has to do with coordination and balance and body awareness. Um, OTs are also working on sensory integration and sensory function. So we look at how do you take in information through your basic sensory systems and make sense of it so that the behavior that you elicit is um, is appropriate. So we look at things like your tactile function, your vision, um, you know, visual processing, auditory processing, um, body awareness, balance, so your vestibular function, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but we also get down to the nitty-gritty of um, eye contact, um, visual um, attention, visual motor integration, so using your eyes and your hands together, bilateral hand coordination. So are you going to be able to do things like look at the board and then look down at your paper? Are you going to be able to then write 
um, write your name or, or, you know, your handwriting and things like that. I mean, handwriting is a big thing in a school-based mm-hmm. OT practice. So it really does come down to your function within the school. Very cool. All right. So that being said, now how, um, what are some developmental milestones that we'd want to be aware of, kind of whether you're a yoga instructor, you know, uh, a classroom teacher or educator, a parent, or, um, you know, what are we looking for? What are some of these movement um, milestones? It's like, oh, okay, we got that. We're, we're, we're good. Um, yeah. Um, that's a great question that. because that's typically like the first thing that I'll ask parents about the developmental Mm -hmm. history of the child's movement patterns because it tells me a lot about why they're functioning the way that they're functioning now motorically. So some of the big things that we look at is ability to maintain um, different types of postures. So, for example, being on your belly. Are you able to push up on your hands and knees? or just on your hands, push up in your hands. So in yoga, it would be like a cobra pose. But Mm -hmm. when you're looking at, say, a first grader or a second grader who is having trouble being in cobra pose, it then begs the question to me, hmm, what is their core strength like? What is their shoulder girl stability like? What is their arm um, strength and forearm control like? Because... Very often, a developmental milestone that's missed in the kids that I'm working with is this tummy time. So a lot of people, mm-hmm. whether you're, you know, you're an OT or you're just in the kids' world, we know about tummy time um, because from being a newborn infant all the way up to, you know, before you start crawling, you should be from zero to six months, seven months, infants should be spending time on their belly. So just getting that full body contact on their belly and practicing pushing up because that is the beginning of building up shoulder girdle stability that is necessary in order to do those in-hand manipulative types of activities that we look at as an OT, such as handwriting, such as holding paper and cutting with, with scissors, things like that. So I do look at that ability to be on your belly. The other thing that we look at is the ability to cross midline. So that's like taking your Mm -hmm. right hand and reaching across your body to grab an object on the left side or taking your right hand and tapping your left knee. So crossing midline is something that happens within the the, the first 12 months of development, but many children that have developmental issues like they miss that <laughs> they, they don't do the cross mm-hmm. line yep. everything is unilateral so i look at that a lot um the other thing is crawling so I'll, <laughs> I'll ask parents about crawling all the time they'll be like oh no they skipped crawling they used to scooch around on their butt and then they just pulled to stand. They they were, like, so advanced. They, they missed that stage. But crawling is so developmentally important, not only for the body but for the brain, because crawling involves timing, pacing. It involves core control. And for all of these things to happen, the right and left sides of the brain have to communicate 
really, really well to get the timing and the balance of that to happen. So um, crawling, there are kids that even in like um, fourth grade, fifth grade, I will work in crawling with them and spend a lot of time even on a yoga mat on hands and knees, lifting one arm up and the opposite leg and balancing yep. and then switching. Um, because within the brain and the body, it mimics what's happening when you're, when you're crawling. And then the, the last thing um, I would say, which is really, really important, is transitional movements. So what I mean by transitional movements is like from sitting to then rotate your body and come into a crawling position because some kids that don't have that crossing of midline, they also don't have trunk rotation, which is really, really um, important, again, not just for the body but for the brain. And when we transition from one posture to another, we usually, we naturally have trunk rotation. So I, I look for that as well. So I'd say that there's a lot of other things, but I'd say those are the biggies. Those are the biggies, the big four. Yeah. yeah. When you mentioned crawling, I just smile because I know I do crawling with my, uh, with all of my classes, but I often will do it with my adult classes and they're always shocked at how hard it is. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, one of the components about about crawling that, you know, we tend to just look at it so much from a motoric standpoint, but there's also a rhythm to it. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've really noticed so much with doing yoga with the kids that I worked with um, is that they don't have an internal rhythm. They're very, very disorganized. Mm -hmm. So there's no rhythm of their breath. There's no rhythm of the movement of their body. And in order to crawl, you need to have rhythm. Um, And in order to know how to calm your nervous system down and how to be regulated and how to be organized, you need to have rhythm. And I don't just mean like rhythm to music, but rhythm to our natural body processes. And that's one of the things that because yoga slows everything down so much and it's very repetitive, I found that for um, a lot of my kids, that is the gift of the practice for them, developing Mm -hmm. a sense of internal rhythm. Very cool. All right. So with that in mind, with that kind of yoga being used as a rhythmic uh, it could be used as a rhythmic learning tool. Um, what are some other ways that kids yoga um, and mindfulness can help occupational therapists in their work? You know, I'm an occupational therapist. I'd kind of like to add some kids yoga. I'm not too sure how or what I'd want to use it for, but yeah. um, they're kind of feeling the yeah, call. This is a, so, yeah, this is a really, really great question because this, reminds me of the you know that story that I told you of how I sort of like discovered yoga and thought this would be a great thing to do with the kids is that um, that ability to organize and calm the nervous system which if you don't have that first you can't do the eye-hand coordination you can't do the Mm -hmm. handwriting you can't have the interactive play skills So the number one thing that yoga has to offer um, and assist in OT 
is that powerful tool of calming and organizing the nervous system. And what I love about using yoga for that opposed to, because here would be the argument from some OTs, well, that's what sensory integration helps to do. But when, we, when we're practicing um, or using um, sensory integration techniques to help balance the nervous system, we're typically using a lot of equipment. We use swings and scooter boards and yes. um, bungees yes. and, things, and things like that. Um, and they're wonderful. They're powerful because they get into your deep power sensory systems. But the child is only using those things to balance their nervous system during therapy, which mm-hmm. typically only happens once or twice a week for 30 minutes. Um, but the tools that we're using in yoga are our body, our breath, number one, our breath, and focus attention. And these are tools mm-hmm. that we have with us 24-7. And the tools that we use, they don't have to be long, complicated tools. You know, just simple breathing into the belly and using a few, um, a few props. Like I like to use like a weighted bean bag placed on the mm-hmm. belly um, to breathe into the belly or just put your hands on your belly to breathe into your belly. I mean, these are tools that we teach them to our children, and they have them all the time. So what ends up happening is that when the child leaves that therapy session or that yoga session, they still have the power to balance their own nervous system by learning how to accurately take a few deep breaths. Mm-hmm. So it's like getting therapy constantly throughout the day. Yeah. And that's when you well, really, it really start is to... self-empowering, right? It's, oh, it's like, absolutely. Yeah, here's some tools absolutely. and use them as you need to, as you want to. That's right. That's right. And um, so, yes, number one, it is, it is self-empowering. But number two, this is how you actually are able to rewire the brain. By mm-hmm. short, repetitive practices. That's what rewires the brain. The one time a week for 30 minutes, you're, you're really, this, this is why I wasn't seeing a lot of change in my, in my kids, you know, 13, 14 years ago, because the treatment was so infrequent and there was little to no carryover. So I couldn't get that neurological change because I didn't develop any new habits. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. with these practices, you're actually creating change several times a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and the uh, the other really powerful thing about it is that the kids do remember how to do these things, and you don't need to always remind them, oh, don't forget to breathe. Oh, don't forget to breathe. Um, because, <laughs> because these are activities that do feel good to them. And yeah. no matter who you are, you don't need to be reminded to do something that feels good to you. You seem to have that motivation. It's human nature. You have that motivation to do that for yourself. And our kids mm-hmm. are no different. So 
they do not only practice these things on their own, they tend to teach them to other people. Yes. Well, and one child explained it to me as if he was coming home to himself. He's like, oh, oh, that feels so good. It feels like I just came home to myself. And oh, I went, oh, that is so beautiful. Right? That is said, yeah, so beautiful. Anytime you want. You can yeah. come to yourself anytime. <laughs> the like, door is always you. open. Yeah, exactly. And he gave me a high five and off he went. I was like, oh, it's the best day ever. <laughs> I'm going to teach kids how to come home to themselves, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so can you give us, um, you know, I'm going to get you to give us a couple of examples of easy ways to include occupational therapy goals in a kid's yoga class. So here I am, I'm teaching kids yoga, I'm doing, you know, my, my little story or whatever I've got going, I've got my props. And how can I just kind of maybe sneak in a little bit of OT? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. yeah a little bit of a richer experience. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, a, it's a great question. The first thing that I would say that I believe would help uh, a yoga professional wanting to address more OT types of things mm-hmm. is if you have children with special needs in your classes, ask for their OT goals. Nice. It's, it's a very, very easy document to get. It's also you could ask the parents, can you just tell me three things that they're working on in OT? I think that that would just be so beneficial because you will immediately see that what you've already planned to cover in your yoga class, whether you knew it or not, is addressing some of those goals. But here's what it will do. It will increase your awareness and your intention when you're working on those things. So, for example, you can have um, a child whose OT goal is will be able to maintain a prone position, which is on their belly, with extended arms for... 15 seconds or 30 seconds. I mean, that could be an OT goal. Mm -hmm. So immediately you you know, oh, I I should work in prone a little for a little bit. Or the goal could be um, student will demonstrate the ability to cross midline nine out of 10 times from a seated position. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, you'll know, oh, well, I could do things like a cross crawl. So stretch my right arm up really high, exhale and cross it over and touch my left knee. You know, so it will increase your awareness of where this child's needs are and will also help your intention of, and your focus of, of the activities that you already, that you already planned for. Um, But I just want to give you an example of how something that we typically do in our kids' yoga classes, uh, which are sun salutations, right? Mm -hmm. And no matter what form they have, whether they're kneeling sun salutations or you're doing them seated in a chair or standing, um, like here are some OT things related to sun salutations. One is just sequencing what comes first, 
what comes second, what mm-hmm. comes third, what comes fourth. And one of the things that I um, often start out with in sun salutations is I'll only have three or four steps in them, and we'll do mm-hmm. them as counting. So one, big breath in, reach up high. Two, exhale, fold. So we'll count them. We'll do them as counting sun salutations. Um, the next thing about that is is it works on memory. Can you remember what your body just did? Mm-hmm. It also yep. includes body awareness. Do you know where your body is in space? Um, it also works on just general strengthening because the posture is involved in a sun salutation. Um, so you're moving in different different planes, you know, forward and back, standing and folding. You're working on your core and your shoulder girdle. Um, you're also working on flexibility, right, of your hips, of your heel cords, um, of your hamstrings. Um, the other thing is we talked about pacing, right, and rhythm. So there's a rhythm of your movement and your breath, which helps organize the nervous system. So here in just this, you know, one aspect of our kids' yoga practice of doing a sun salutation, you're addressing a lot of OT goals right there. Mm-hmm. Yep, sure. Well, and I loved your idea of testing them because I do that often in my classes. I'll be like, I'll take them through a couple of times. I'll, I'll forewarn them. We're going to do it four times. The first uh-huh. time I'll do it with you. Orally, yeah. like, and I'll give you lots of cues. The second time, I'll reduce my cues. The third time, you guys are just going to watch. I'm not going to say anything. And the fourth time, yeah. you're on your own. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, well, yeah. Yeah. Test in yoga class. It's <laughs> 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 like, I'm a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> other thing that attention. they love is, is for one of them to be the leader, for you not yeah. to be the leader. Yeah. Let them. Yeah, they love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, my dear, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you about occupational yes, therapy, kids yoga, and how these two things can work hand in hand with one another. Well, I love sharing this information because, like I said, I truly believe that if you're working with youth in any capacity, knowing at least something of yoga mm-hmm. and mindfulness helps any type of therapeutic modality. Fabulous. And with that, that is truly succinct. If you'd like to have more information about Allison's work, please visit sensationalkids.com. Is that it? Yes, sensationalkids.com. Yes. Okay. Go check her out. She's fabulous. And if you're anywhere on the east coast of the U.S., you definitely need to attend one of her trainings. You will come out so enriched. So definitely look up sensationalkids.allisonmorgan. Thanks, Allison. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Donna. Take care. We've been chatting with Allison Morgan about yoga and occupational therapy, two tools for working together. My name is Donna Freeman. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much. Bye.